to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name's Frank and let's get cracking. So I just want to start off today, just have a little bit of a moment to reflect really. I mean it's been a bit of a whirlwind this last few weeks since starting the podcast must be what seven weeks ago or something. Obviously seven weeks kind of flies by really, it's not very long time and uh, since starting the podcast, I mean I just literally started this podcast as like a you know, I just had the thought one morning while I was having my cup of coffee in the morning and um, thought, yeah, let's just do it, jumped on it, and by one o'clock I'd created the artwork, recorded the first episode, which was just a random off-the-cuff thing, and um, yeah, just threw it up there, managed to figure out the technology side of things with getting it hosted on a website and whatnot, and before you know it, the same day, it was all on Spotify, and then everything from there has just snowballed. I never expected anybody to really listen to this podcast and uh, it's got to the stage where we're getting hundreds and hundreds of, of downloads on every episode now and um, it's just crazy. I mean, I had my first guest on last week, really blessed to have um, Andy from that UFO podcast. That was really fun to do. And again, never really even, the thought of having guests on the podcast never really came into my head, If I'm if I'm honest. It was more a case of, just me rambling just to kind of get my own thoughts out because as uh, I mentioned something about this on, on UFO Twitter um, the other day but it's just when you're interested in this topic you end up chewing the ear off people who aren't really that interested in the topic or maybe have a vague interest but nowhere near as interested as you and I kind of found myself like talking at people who I, who I know you know casually you know acquaintances at work and things like that and just kind of rambling on about all these UFO cases and things, um, which is, um, I, I, you know, you realise that the, the person that you're ranting at, they kind of don't really share the same passion as you do, and they're thinking, like, what's this guy going on about? And they don't know about all of the names and all of the various organisations, you know, and so on. And, yeah, so I, this was just an outlet for me to let off a bit of steam and kind of process my own thoughts about you know the the topic and um yeah just just really really thankful that people actually you know listen to it and people care and people are shouting at me on twitter and stuff and saying you know getting in touch saying they enjoy it and yeah just big thank you to everybody who listens because you know it's kind of made it like a show you know i've mentioned on a, on another podcast recently you know this it's kind of made this now it is actually a show rather than just me sitting ranting well i suppose it still is me sitting ranting but you know what i mean it's just great to have other people involved and the people who i talk to on twitter you know it, it, people who are actually interested in this topic it's great to have that because up until now, as I say, I was just ranting and chunnering on at people who weren't as interested as me. And now there's loads of other people who I've managed to connect with. And I just feel really blessed to have stumbled across some, some great people quite early on as well. Um, and I think I was quite lucky personally to stumble across a few really good podcasts as well. Um, and 
somebody mentioned to me the other day that um, they thought like the you know the UFO thinker podcast like the best podcast about UFOs and stuff. Obviously, super flattering to hear something like that. But I mean, in my mind, I'm not even in the top ten of of the best UFO co- podcasts, you know. But um, I'm really thankful that anybody would say that about the podcast. Anyway, but yeah, to me, I mean, I had the the kind of the good luck really to stumble across that UFO podcast with with Andy and and Dan and stuff now as well and all the other various contributors and anybody who's listening to this and maybe hasn't heard of that UFO podcast probably fairly unlikely um but if there is anybody who's not heard that UFO podcast you got to check that out because I mean that was one of the main inspirations of me starting my podcast and also um, Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague, obviously a fantastic podcast, another one that was a big inspiration uh, for me. And um, ever since kind of hearing those guys, it's it's kind of allowed me to have a bit of a filter in the UFO topic as to, you know, when you trust kind of the viewpoint of somebody, it gives you, like if they think that somebody else is, is legit and a good source of information and so on, it, it kind of helps you to understand the the minefield of the UFO topic in a way. And um, since kind of hearing, you know, those podcasts that I just mentioned, also stumbled across a few others like the more consciousness-based um, podcasts such as Engaging the Phenomenon, another one that's really, really good. And um, James Iandoli on, on, uh, on that podcast, Engaging the Phenomenon, really, really interesting um podcast another one that's really really worth listening to and that wasn't really one that inspired me to do this it's one that I've I've only kind of discovered more recently um but I'm still kind of working out in my head the the how the consciousness aspect fits in and um and and navigating that side of things but uh, if if you're interested in 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 the consciousness side of things James Iandoli definitely is a guy that that is, you know, a good source of of information on that side of things. And um, yeah, obviously as well, like Andy from that UFO podcast, Ryan Sprague, James Iandoli, these guys have been super, really nice to me as well. I mean, it's it's just, um, you know, I I'm a new podcast on the block basically. So having these guys be so welcoming to me and um, so cool, and I mean, I've, I've answered. I've, actually, I've I've done like a listener phone in for uh, Andy and for Ryan Sprague's podcasts, and um, I was talking to James Iandoli the other day, and he's put me in contact with some um, some people within the UK who, who are researching and, and studying the the CE five consciousness side of things, and yeah, it's it's just crazy how cool these people have been and how welcoming these people have been to me, and uh, I don't know if any of those guys will be listening to this. I imagine that they probably. Uh, probably won't but just in case big thank you to you guys man because it's so uh, so nice to have you know real legit people who i respect their viewpoint actually kind of you know embrace me as part of the the whole world of, of ufos so in case you've not already realized this podcast today is going to be basically just me it's a solo podcast obviously it was um it was a uh, an interview type discussion type podcast last week with with Andy but today's back to just me and I, and I think most of the podcast probably will be just me if I'm honest um I personally quite like listening to podcasts that's just one person um you know and and I also like listening to podcasts with interviews but 
my kind of original thinking with this was that it was going to be just me most of the time ranting and um i think it probably will carry on like that but i'm definitely going to be doing some more interviews i've got a couple of really really interesting guests lined up over the next few weeks so you'll definitely see some more uh, some more interviews and discussion uh, based podcasts as well but as i say today's more of a a ranty kind of um me on a bit of a stream of consciousness uh podcast and um yeah it's going to be a long one i'm not going to lie so you might <laughs> you might want to uh, listen to it in chunks or you know however you decide to to it you know get get through it but um I mean, again, it's like one of them, you know, I, I, I quite like long podcasts, you know, like the, some of the Joe Rogan podcasts are three hours long, and, and I love that, you know, you listen to a bit of it, come back to it, and keep dipping back in and stuff, so, but what I am going to try and do, which I think is a, a bit of a theme that I've been doing over the previous few podcasts, is to try my best to separate the kind of the factual side of it with the the um speculative theoretical side of it because you know some 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 people's viewpoints like on podcasts and you know on on people who have accounts on twitter and stuff i've noticed that you tend to find like people who have the scientific more factual based topic in general throughout all of the stuff that they do and then other people who have the the theoretical um speculative side of things and and i i do definitely enjoy both I'm a bit of a jackal and hide i i think that the reality of like factual scientific research into the phenomenon is definitely super important and i am definitely not easily persuaded um when i see a new piece of evidence or you know video sightings or whatever but on the other hand i do like to speculate you know because i think at the end of the day there's a lot of there's a lot of merit in speculating. I mean, if you think about science fiction, for example, science fiction has been, you know, quite reliable in predicting things that actually are going to happen. You know, it's like the human imagination, the human mind can dream up possibilities of what could happen. And some of those things are actually going to happen. You know, if you look at Star Trek or whatever in the, in the, in the early days, you know, year, decades ago, they kind of predicted a lot of things, didn't they, really? They got other things that they predicted didn't actually happen, but you know there's definitely some merit in speculating because a lot of yesterday's speculation is now fact, you know. So I, I, I do enjoy that side of it as well. But you know, when when I talk about the podcast and so on, one thing that I have never even considered really is like numbers you know like I it's great that people are listening and stuff but i've kind of I, I literally only started this this podcast and my kind of journey into having a presence in the ufo community and so on to just get to the truth you know like for years i've been trying to find reliable information and just kept coming up against dead ends you know i'm not like um you know the youngest guy in the world so you know, in my mid thirties, I'm not like an old, old older person either, but I'm I'm not like a young teenager or anything. So, I was part of that generation where we didn't have the internet when I was a young teenager, and we didn't have phones and stuff. So, back then, it was really difficult to find proper reliable information. I mean, I the problem maybe there was maybe there was like magazines and stuff, but I just never found the right 
connections to actually get to proper truth you know and it was always just like intermingled with like fantasy and and stuff that I couldn't really just get my teeth into and then when TTSA came out you know love them or hate them they brought a lot of people into the topic or back into the topic and stuff and for me discovering podcast was vital to get to the bottom of what a person is all about you know like first of all the joe rogan ufo type of guests and then branching out into the other podcasts that i was talking about earlier and you know in my personal journey that kind of led me to starting my own podcast you know but it's the reason i'm talking about this to start with today is that it's it's so you know important that we now have these things because podcasts didn't exist did they a while ago 10 years ago 20 years ago whenever it was that podcasts came about it's a relatively new thing and it's so like important to be able to get a handle on what somebody's all about as a person and what their you know their approaches to the topic and things like that there's been a couple of uh, podcasts i've been listening to over the last couple of days and it's people who I've seen kind of coming up again and again on, on you know, UFO Twitter. And some of them have have been people that I've kind of thought, meh, I don't know about this person or whatever. And then I've listened to a podcast with them and you go, oh, okay, now I get what this person's all about. Because you're having like a deep dive into their approach, aren't you? Rather than just seeing some little snippets on on Twitter. And don't get me wrong, Twitter's good for its own, you know, for discussions, blah, blah, blah as well. But... I think one of the things for me that's been really vital over these last few years with this topic has been to, you know, have things like podcasts, UFO Twitter's great, and then that's kind of the thing that, that like, introduces you to these new characters that are investigating or are on similar paths to you or, you know, maybe on a completely different path to you or whatever, and then you can then the people who kind of spark a little bit of interest you can actually listen to them in really long form on on podcasts and kind of like the longer the form the better really i think like if you've got like a five minute you know five minute interview on a news channel you can't really get to the bottom of anything you know it's all about just cramming in the questions as quick as you can and that's what podcasts are so good for is you can really relax you know there's no time constraints you can just crack on with actually finding out digging in deeply into stuff and um yeah i I think that's 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 really important and it's one of those situations like the ufo twitter thing it's one of those situations where the algorithms and, and things that you hear about on social media it's actually really helpful because like i have a couple of different twitter accounts um like for music projects that I work on and and things like that. And I don't follow any UFO type of accounts on my music Twitter account. And I have uh, obviously a UFO thinker um, uh, Twitter account, which is just for, you know, UFO, um, the UFO topic. So I only follow people to do with UFO stuff. And I'm interested in a lot of other things, but I don't follow any of that on that account. So what that does is it basically trains the algorithm to just, you know, show me new stuff about UFOs, which is actually great. You know, if you, there's a lot of complaints about algorithms within social media, how, how they kind of feed information to people. But if you use that system to your advantage, you know, as long as you actually look into, um, you know, 
the people that you're actually the information that you're reading and what's being presented as long as you do your own research and your own you know due diligence as people say you know it can be really useful like i'm just being fed new stuff constantly every time i re- refresh my feed on on twitter you know there's there's new stuff like new names that i might not have known about before or you know there's always there's new people coming into the topic all the time now you know younger researchers and younger you know personalities that are getting in, involved with it and you know it's it's great to see and um i am aware that that some people listening to 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 this you know may not agree with my viewpoint but one thing to bear in mind with viewpoints in general and you know my viewpoint if you're listening to this is i try really hard to not have a fixed viewpoint like my viewpoint can change all the time you know maybe only subtle things might change maybe something like really drastic might change but you know I'm in this for truth. You know, I, I, I want to get to the actual truth. I'm not married to the idea that UFOs are this and that. And, you know, and it kind of throws up a few red flags for me when somebody is married to a viewpoint because it kind of makes you think, well, you know, that's not... I really try to not do that. So if you see somebody who's, like, really adamant about a certain thing, you know, it does throw a little bit of doubt up there for me personally. I mean, I, my thing is, like I've said before in the pocket, if you think different to me or if I say something on this that that you don't think the same as, let me know. I, at UFO Thinker on Twitter, give me a shout because I want to know. Other viewpoints, you know, it, it is how you get to the truth, isn't it? You don't get to the truth by just having a viewpoint and then sticking with that viewpoint through thick and thin all that's going to do is just lead you down this one path with like blinkers on so you don't actually look at the facts and you know so on and you know you've got to try to put your ego aside like because the goal is the truth it's not the goal is not to be correct and say to tell everybody i told you so the goal is to find actually what's going on here it's a mystery isn't it we're talking about unidentified flying objects no they're not identified we don't know what they are we can theorize we can speculate which i'm going to be doing later on in this podcast you know but we don't know do we otherwise they wouldn't be unidentified so and and i want to be wrong if i'm wrong that means i've learned doesn't it like if i'm wrong somebody comes to me and says look this is a fact this is you know some facts and figures some evidence to point and point you in the right direction that the things you think about this particular side of the topic could be wrong i'll look into that you know even debunkers and skeptics and things like mick west i actually i i don't actually follow mick west on twitter anymore because it gets a bit kind of repetitive um and i think i think you could argue that mick west is kind of the the opposite way i mean he's a bit blinkered in absolutely trying to dismiss everything you know before he's even really kind of delved into it he's already made his mind up that he's he's going to try to dismiss it at all costs and that's kind of you know i guess that's sort of the um the same the same kind of thing that i try to avoid really um you know but the the point is with it is that you know you ha- you have to look at everybody's viewpoints and i think that's where the the skeptical people as long as it's rational skepticism that's where it's actually really helpful to actually get to the truth and if i'm wrong i'm happy about that because it means that i'm getting to the truth and if if you're 
if you're really upset about being proven wrong about something in this topic, you know, or even mildly upset, I suppose you got, you know, there's we're human, aren't we? So you may well end up being mildly upset about being proven wrong. But, you know, if what I'm trying to say is if you're really bothered about being proven wrong, then you might want to adjust your viewpoint slightly in terms of what you're actually in this for. Are you in this for cool stories? Are you in this for you're already you've already kind of like you know joined a team that you're have a fixed viewpoint and this is what the situation is and anybody who tries to say otherwise is is wrong or whatever. You know you're not really in it for the truth if that's the case. And I'm I'm really trying to avoid those pitfalls. Um, as best I can because I think at the end of the day look we all kind of agree on a lot of things you know within the UFO topic like you see there's loads of different factions within the UFO world there's the nuts and bolts type of people there's the consciousness type of people there's the different dimensions type of people and you know we don't really kind of have a united you know as a human race at this point in time we don't have a united like this is what you know the the general line of thinking is on ufos uaps but i think there are definitely a lot of things that we can agree on even if the overall you know um angle that that we're going in at is is not exactly united but i think most people would agree that the nimitz case is the best case in terms of actual you know factual data like multiple credible witnesses i've talked about the nimitz case a lot on the on the show before and you can go back and listen to the episodes about that if you want to hear more about it but i think that's a fairly uniform point across the whole of the ufo topic i think most people would agree that the nimitz is the most like data dense case that is the most compelling evidence so far that we have as a complete case um and that kind of is something that should probably unite everybody in in having a a common viewpoint there and i think most people also agree that the government knows more than they're letting on i mean i think that at this point is fairly uniform right across obviously there'll be some people who believe that the government have no idea what this is and they're in the same boat as the rest of us but i think it's fair to say that most people believe that the government knows more and i think it's also fair to say that the that most people want more transparency nobody really wants the government to hide stuff from the public do they especially about this absolutely fascinating like huge significance you know of of this topic nobody wants like oh yeah we'd prefer it if the government hid more of this from us nobody's saying that are they like even people who aren't interested in the topic don't want the government to hide things from the public um so again i think that's another one where everybody is pretty much united whether you think it's probably consciousness or it's probably nuts and bolts craft or it's probably this or that we do all agree that we want more transparency you know most people think the government knows more than they're letting on you know up until a couple of years ago the government weren't even acknowledging that there was such a thing as ufos it was just the policy was just to you know flatly deny it and yeah it's nothing to worry about move on now they're actually saying directly that the that these things are real you know that there are unidentified objects 
flying around, doing things, interfering with the military, you know, and that that just goes to prove that the government have known this for decades and they've pretended that they didn't. So it's very logical in that case, isn't it, that the government now know a lot more than what they're letting on, but they're just not telling us yet. So, like I say, there's a lot there that we do agree on in general as a, as a human race kind of thing, or more specifically within the UFO community. And we all agree, I think, as well, that more facts, more data will help us push forward. You know, because it's only in the lack of data that so many narratives arise through speculation and we do have to bear in mind that some of these narratives that we hear within the the ufo topic some of them are not going to be correct it could be i suppose it's, it's there's always the possibility that every single narrative is correct you know it's always possible isn't it like you could probably put a probability on it and you know go into that in more detail but it is possible that all of the narratives are correct you know the all of the above kind of way of thinking but it's also possible that or quite likely i would say that at least some of the narratives that we're hearing about are completely not correct like for example the nuts and bolts thing so the nuts and bolts thing, you know, it, it, to summarise it, is that you believe that there are beings coming in literal physical crafts made of metal or whatever materials, and they're coming here from elsewhere and, um, you know, flying around on this planet. It could turn out that that is absolutely not true and that that has never been the case and that literally everything that we're seeing is a consciousness-based phenomenon which is based purely on the planet Earth and there's nothing coming from elsewhere. It could be it's possible that that's not the case. It could be that it's... There are things on this planet and there are also things coming from outer space, you know, from, from elsewhere in the universe or, or whatever. But we don't really know. And I think when you bear in mind that some of the narratives that we hear about are very likely to be not true, you know, that, that should kind of inform your thinking a little bit. Some of it's not true. So you do have to take things with a pinch of salt, you know. But also on the on the flip side of that, some of the things that you hear which you have the instinctive reaction to say you know what that is you know definitely not true that that just what is this guy talking about that is absolute nonsense there's a, there's a possibility that that thing that you're thinking about there the thing that just instinctively strikes you as being nonsense is actually not nonsense at all you know, there's been a number of times that that's happened to me where, you know, through ignorance or just through not knowing enough about the the facts and figures and so on, that I, I've heard somebody talking about something and they seem adamant, uh, you know, the thing that they're talking about is real and I've gone, that is nonsense, and then it turns out to be correct, you know. So some of the things that are being talked about as being factual are definitely going to end up as, well, not definitely, but some of the things that are being discussed as factual very likely are going to turn out to not be true and some of the things that are being discussed and and certain people are saying that it's complete nonsense may well turn out to be not nonsense so we have to keep an open mind at all times and try not to end up letting ego get in the way and you know try not to get into this tribal thing of you know let's form a team and, and we are team consciousness and we are team nuts and bolts and so on because you know that's not going to get us to the truth, is it? That's just going to end up 
dividing people and pushing different factions and so on. But yeah, it's um, it's also a, another pitfall that we can fall into as, as humans is that, you know, we tend to have this tribal thing, like I was just talking about there with, with you know, tribal politics these days is a good example of it. So like, you know, you are... It may be that I didn't notice this as much when I was younger, but like in the UK, we've got Labour and Conservative. In America, they have Republicans and, and Democrats. And I don't remember it being so kind of like viciously against each other. Like I always remember being a kid and, you know, a lot of the adults that I spoke to would just say, yeah, it's all just politics. They're all as bad as each other. Whereas it seems now that people are so much more divided and you've really got like team republican and team democrat you know and everybody who supports the you know you hear people referring to it as like libs you know and um you know what what do they call the uh the republicans oh, i think they just call them republicans eh but like they tend to if you're if you're on team um democrat a lot of people are really hardline with it and just say that everyone who votes for you know the republicans are like you know racist idiots and blah 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 and then everyone who's a lot of the people who are republican kind of look at it the opposite way like oh these liberals they're just like absolute idiots you know blah 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 and obviously that's not true because like there are some people who are going to be idiots on one side and some that are going to be idiots on the other but we have this thing of um tribalism just built into us where we want to you know instinctively probably just for survival reasons from the way humans have evolved we want to jump on a team and defend that team to the bitter end even better if we've got some kind of flag or imagery or a certain uniform that we all wear to show how united we are and even better if we've got a slogan and a, th a thing that we can all chant and you know shout at the people who we disagree with and it's um I think that's been massively intensified by social media and it's again if we see that creeping into the ufo topic it's something that we should try and avoid and another one that links with that is the the cult of personality kind of tendency that we have as people and again i think it comes down to that instinctive thing of you know over the years it's actually benefited humankind to do that because you have one central figure who everyone focuses on you know kings and queens in the old days or even before that tribal leaders you know everybody rallies behind this one person and then that helps to focus the attentions of the group to achieving a particular goal now without that you end up with less unity you know that's that's i that's kind of the way humans have evolved isn't it everybody gets behind the leader and that allows a much more united group of people in achieving whatever goal that leader is trying to steer everybody towards and you know there are definite benefits to that if you have a figurehead you know it, it clearly works because that's still how we run societies now we have presidents and in the uk we have a prime minister and you know one person who basically everything comes down to that person as having the final say you know and obviously now instead of dictatorships we have uh, democratically elected leaders who, who are supposed to push the will of the people and so on but we still have a certain element of cult of personality you know and again probably arguable that that through social media and everything this has, has kind of become more about person you know the personality side of things like if you look at you know donald trump and uh 
yeah, Barack Obama and Donald Trump and Biden and stuff, it, it becomes a slanging match a lot of the time. The, the policies get put to the back seat and personalities become the thing that people are voting for. And I hear it in the UK a lot, you know, people are like, oh, Jeremy Corbyn, you know, he's scruffy, he needs to cut his hair and, you know, Boris Johnson will sort us out. And there's very little kind of talk of the policies they're trying to put into place. You know, when I talk to day-to-day -day people, you know, acquaintances and so on, people don't say, oh, I'll break down the actual specifics of what each government policy is trying to do. It comes down to the personality. And again, it's built into us. But, you know, it's it's um, it's not always a good thing. And, and I think, again, it, it can lead to this tribalism thing and let's all jump on this particular bandwagon and that will allow us to you know have a team and we'll just defeat the other team and actually that that's not necessarily going to get you to the truth is it you know because you can end up blinded by your loyalty so let's focus on martial arts because again not talked about it much on the podcast so far but i've i've been a a, a study a, a, a studier that's not even a word, is it? A student. I've been a student of um, Muay Thai for uh, probably about six, seven years now. I've never actually worked out how long it's been exactly. But when I was looking at getting into martial arts, there's a wealth of knowledge and you know mental and physical benefits to martial arts. Whoever you train with, you're probably going to get some of those benefits. But there's a big difference between a random guy pretending to be a black belt, which you can find a lot of them on the internet, especially, you know, YouTube channels and so on. There's a big difference between a random guy on YouTube pretending to be a black belt and actually studying with a true master of whatever martial arts it is that you're studying. And I was I was very lucky with my Muay Thai, again, stumbled across, really. It just so happened that very local to me, there was a world-renowned um, Muay Thai um, master who had studied with some of the greatest to ever do it. So I was very lucky in that case, but I almost fell into the trap of studying with a few fake gurus when I was on the path to finding somebody to study with at the beginning. But my point is, and this is how it relates to the UFO topic, even if you study with a fake black belt, you're still going to get some of the vital information even the dodgiest guys out there who you know don't have a clue what they're doing but they just kind of have this cult of personality around them you're still going to get some benefits from it but that's very different to a real martial artist somebody who has actually learned the real skills trained hard put the work in over the years to develop the the body and the mind and so on and in the, in the UFO world there's some people out there that will sell you a dream you know, there's no getting away from it. There's people out there who claim to have all the answers. They don't have all the answers. You know, they may have some answers, but nobody really knows. And even if, you know, even if you're a big fan of a particular personality within the UFO topic, you're probably still going to get some good information in there. And the thing is, I don't really want to get into naming certain names, but there's definitely a few people who I've seen who claim to have all the answers and, you know, they've been in contact with extraterrestrials and they've been told that, the you know, this is how it all works and, and so on. And I think a lot of the the way that these people work is they have some of the good stuff because you have to, I mean, you have to, don't you? Like, 
like I was saying about the fake, you know, martial artists, you're still going to get some skill. You're still going to get the health benefits of going for a run every morning, say, or, you know, doing the actual martial arts training. But it's mixed in with a lot of nonsense as well, unfortunately, which is just not, you know, not real factual things. It's just, it's just like kind of randomness um, that, that's been made up by this person. But you are, by that point, invested in them and you go along with it. So you end up, sadly, with a bit of a mix of nonsense and the real stuff. And I think as, as humans, sometimes we can go for the easiest, most gratifying option. Like if, if we want to believe, you can easily go down the path of believing something, can't you? And I think it's so important that we, we get to the truth on this particular topic because, you know, it's, it's a massive deal, isn't it? We're talking about something that could change the course of human history, you know, forever. And that's one thing that does unite everyone. We all want that disclosure in terms of the government being transparent and we just need to watch out for these, you know, the, these these charlatans or, or whatever you want to call them, people who claim to have all the answers and they can't really have all the answers. So you just got to be really aware of, we, we do have these built-in biases as human beings where we, we are liable to go down certain paths, you know, whether it's following some kind of a leader or whether it's tribalism or whether it's just wanting to believe and then you, you only kind of go down the path of of uh, thinking about things that back up that theory and again this is all intensified by social media which is a relatively new thing we're still trying to wrap our head around the uh, still trying to wrap our heads around the impact of it on on you know on the human race but yeah, I just I, the main thing is I just hope that we that we get some more truth, you know. One thing that's been quite frustrating recently is since the UAP task force report, there's obviously been a bit of a wave of excitement, you know, everybody doing the reactions to the report and so on and and then it's just kind of a void, you know. It's a bit like um, you know, Christmas day you're building up to it for, for all, all the way through the advent calendar through December and then Christmas Day comes, it's a great day and then you have a few days after Christmas Day where you're playing with all your new toys and then you get to New Year and New Year's a great celebration and then it's like, oh, what do we do now? It's a bit like that and there's been a lot of, you know, supposed videos that have been shared. I think everybody's trying to, like, you know, scurry around trying to find the new thing that we're all going to be excited about you know whether it be uh, a new a new sighting or some something like that or a new leak or whatever and the trouble is much as some of those have been really interesting they're not like the new nimitz are they they're not the new you know arguably one of the other more more interesting data dense cases has been the uss omaha with the drone swarm and all of the data um the radar data to back that up and then the the the, the footage um, the, the pretty unconvincing footage on its own but when you add all of those things together that's a compelling case the Nimitz is a really compelling case but some of these like CCTV footage or things like that they could so easily be faked that you know it's hard for me to get excited about those I mean don't get me wrong they're really interesting and I'll always kind of click on the videos when they appear on the timeline but there was one, uh, for example, where there was a, an estate agent, I think, a real estate 
as they as they call it in America, where they, it shows basically like a house, and yeah, everybody probably already seen this. But if you've not, I, I don't know how you'd go about finding it actually. But I'm sure you've probably already seen it on on UFO Twitter. So it, what it does just in case anyone's not seen it, you, you, you're showing a house that's going to be for sale and then in the distance you can see kind of like a triangle pyramid type of formation which appears to be made of lights and then something kind of whizzes by, um, kind of going from behind the camera to in front of the camera in like a, basically a split second and disappears. The problem is it could be faked, you know. Who's to say, especially in this day and age, that like the current situation that we're in people are going to be taking advantage of this uh topic people are going to take advantage of it because it's a real buzz at the moment all the newspapers are talking about it if you're a, a, a business and you've got your head switch screwed on and you know you're thinking about ideas to promote your business why wouldn't you do that like you know pay somebody a couple of hundred quid to do a you know a cgi thing that shows a ufo all of a sudden you've got thousands of people clicking on your channel you know if you're an estate agent it's not a bad idea to sell that house is it somebody who clicks on that video to see the ufo is probably going to think wow so that house isn't too bad maybe i'll buy it so i'm not saying that that's what it is but that's something that we definitely have to watch out for and there could be so many reasons why you would want to to draw attention to your social media or whatever you know it's very easy to fake these things these days there's iphone apps where you can you can fake things and you know we really need to as much as it's tempting to just go wow that's amazing you know we've got to think about the possibilities of of what you know why has this just sprung up there was another one that um that i saw recently which was um a guy that had um what's it called homestead now i believe it's called uh, he has a youtube channel and he is him and his family live in a homestead and um obviously they have like a social media presence and so on and um they had uh taken a, a picture of a ufo um that they had seen over their homestead one night and I saw it and I was like, wow, that seems absolutely amazing, unbelievable, blah, blah, blah. But then when you dig into it, for a start, the video that goes into this UFO sighting, at the beginning of the video, they show some long exposure shots where they've basically been doing... I don't know if you've ever seen the long exposure shots where you can basically have like a... Um, you, you put your camera on a long exposure and then you wave a light in front of the camera and it, it forms like a line through um, you know or you can do it on the on where you, you draw like a letter or something you know the sparkler picks up the entire um, the circle of the letter O or something if you spin it round in a circle with the long exposure on I don't know if I'm explaining this very well I'm definitely not a photography expert but hopefully you, you know what I'm talking about I guess you could just google long exposure shots or something and I'm sure you'll be able to find it so in the beginning of this video where the homestead guy is um talking about this UFO that he supposedly caught on camera the beginning of the video actually shows some long exposure shots of his daughter playing with a sparkler or something and uh, when i've actually reached out to a couple of experts um in particular scott brown um who has um a wealth of knowledge about photography and, and all um you know 
uh, things to do with that. Very, very legit, because I've been following him uh, for a while and checking out the things that he talks about. He really goes into detail about cases and wants to get to the actual truth of it. And he said straight away it looks like a long exposure of a plane going along. So the, the UFO basically looked like a light, like a, um, a long um bar type of thing with some little red dots over the top of it that kind of looked a little bit like a flying saucer with a light projecting out from the bottom of it and then these little red lights along the top and i thought wow that looks like some kind of alien spaceship but then if you actually think about what a plane or a helicopter would look like if it was going along on a long exposure you would have a light going along the bottom which would basically due to the long exposure it would form like a light bar and then if there's like a say a red light on the top of the of the helicopter or maybe a red light coming from the, one of the windows that would then you know due to the long exposure it would form like a row of lights going along the top of the the bar of light so straight away it it certainly doesn't seem like a real photograph it seems like a plane or a helicopter that's been going over um or even i guess a balloon or some kind of object and but most likely a plane or a helicopter, and it's just been taken on a long exposure camera, which is a lot of the time how you get really good pictures of stars, for example. So if you set up a camera at night to try and get great pictures of the um, the stars over the top of your house, and the plane goes over, you're going to see something that resembles a UFO in some of the shots. Now, not to be a you know a, a debunker, a party pooper, or anything like that, but that one seems like that. And if you're running a channel where you're trying to build up your audience and you know that there's a buzz about UFOs, you know, maybe you'd do something like that. I'm not saying that maybe they didn't know, you know, maybe they literally didn't realise that that was how the photograph had come about. Maybe they genuinely thought it was a UFO and they didn't, don't understand how that could have happened or whatever. Fair enough. I don't know. I'm not suggesting... I'm not um accusing them of, of faking it to to boost their presence but you know maybe they just didn't realize how it could have happened maybe they did fake it to boost their audience it's certainly not out of the realms of possibility is it but you know i'm just saying we've got to be very wary of, of stuff like that and that's where again you know experts like um like like scott scott brown um in in the field is his organization that he that he uh that he has uh, if if I'm not mistaken, there I think I've got that right. Um, definitely worth a follow on Twitter, and um, yeah, he's been doing some podcasts and things as well recently. He's been doing UFO research for a long, long time. Seems like a very knowledgeable dude. So yeah. Anyway, moving on from that, then. So where we're up to with hard facts at this moment, I think it, it's important to stay focused on the bigger picture with it. You know and not get carried away with all these random little dribs and drabs of videos that are appearing online, because I think the vast majority of them can be explained. Um, much as it's cool to see them, we've not got any like definitive kind of cases like the Nimitz or the, the, the Omaha and things like that. But the ones that are extremely compelling are the Nimitz, as I mentioned earlier, the USS Omaha. And, you know, those are the, the real kind of solid ones and i struggle a bit with older cases because you just can't get the date density on those cases like even 
to a certain extent Roswell and and things like that and you know the recently there's been a lot of talk about the Travis Walton uh, case I think I've got his his name right there I have terrible memory for names and stuff so um, I, I can read a case and then forget everything about it within about an hour so forgive me if I get any of these names wrong but yeah the Travis Walton abduction case um, that one recently there's been a lot of talk about you know the new evidence has come to light that, that says that it's you know that it, certain things could have been faked and it's all been done on purpose and you know Roswell um, you know it's so long ago that if even if there was any data density to back up those cases it's probably long gone it's been deleted the men in black have come and took it or it could have just actually been a balloon you know i i think that the roswell case was like very very likely to have actually been some kind of uh, crashed craft uh, or something dodgy it's not what the government say i don't think but it's so frustrating digging into those things that we're probably never going to actually know are we like the government with the task force report are basically focusing on trying to just gloss over everything that happened before 2004. So it appears that they're not really even bothering with anything that happened a long time ago. So, you know, it's a bit, again, I find them fascinating to, to go into as well. Don't get me wrong. I, I look into this stuff. I, I was literally watching some documentaries about Roswell this last week, but it's just hard to actually really get stuck in and get your teeth into them because this is so long ago. A lot of the people, you know, it's a lot of people involved, you know, it's very hard to tell if, if the things that they're recalling is the exact way that it was, you know, the human memory works in some strange ways. Um, what we need is we need the government to cooperate on this. That's what we need. You know, it's like I was talking about before, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not a case of the government, are the all seeing eye and everybody has to do what the government says. It may feel like that sometimes, but it's not the government are there to serve the public and we need the government to cooperate and to do what the public want in this case and the thing is as well i've seen a lot of people recently saying and often funnily enough you seem to see these comments on some of the more kind of like i've got all the facts listen to what i say you know i'm a guru type of people within the ufo community i've, I've seen because obviously i check those people's accounts and stuff i might not follow them and, and see them as the the uh the source of all the information or whatever but still follow them because you want to know what people are saying and you tend to find the people that are commenting on, like somebody puts up a really obviously um, not compelling photograph of something that just looks like a, a lens flare on a camera or something, and people go like, wow, man, that's amazing, it looks like a craft, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you see people saying, like, um, on the comments of those pictures, you know, oh, we don't need the government to confirm anything because we already know. And, like we don't do it we don't actually know like we can speculate we can have a very strong idea that something might be the case but how can we not need the government like the government have got control over the best data capture equipment you know all of our money as the public goes to the government to then spend like billions and billions of, of dollars or pounds in the uk on amazing equipment like 
how are we as the public going to actually know about any of this stuff when the government aren't using that equipment that has been bought with our money as the people we need them to start using that equipment to give us the data and to give scientists the actual data so when people say we don't need the government we already know about what's going on you know I, I just don't understand it because like the government is us like do you know what i mean the government is not some kind of separate thing the government represents the people and the people want to know so we need to be putting pressure on the government to actually use this equipment that they've bought with our money you know the public owns all of the stuff that the government you know that that that's how it works isn't it taxpayers money goes into all of this stuff all of this amazing equipment the research that's going on now into the next generation of amazing equipment we should be demanding that they use that equipment to give us the facts and the information about something that could change the course of human history even if they turn around and go yeah all right we're going to do that then and then they don't find any amazing information and all this uh, equipment that they've got just points out that yeah we're just alone in this planet and there's nothing else out there and um, the things that people have been seeing can be explained by this this and this then we still need to know that don't we like you know surely that should be the main goal that we that we all want is to force you know or not even force but just to to you know to to require the government to do their duty that they should be doing you know but yeah, I understand what people are saying that they've had extremely compelling experiences and I personally haven't had any of these extremely compelling experiences. You know, I've never actually seen a craft up close like some people claim to have seen. And if those people have seen a craft up close, then you could understand why they would believe wholeheartedly that this thing does exist and that it can be explained by this this and this reason. But even then I kind of wonder with people who have seen craft like and and it may be that I interview some people soon on the on the show that actually that talk about this as well but how do you know like how sure are you if you've seen a craft like up close you know not just something that's distant in the sky because I think many many people have seen something distant but if you've seen a craft or you've actually seen beings how hundred percent convinced are you you know that that is a real thing or could it not just be something that is some kind of a mental projection of something that you've got in your own head you know like there's a lot of things about the human brain and consciousness that we don't understand and even if you've seen something do you still have a bit of doubt or maybe that could have been something that, that was a, a consciousness within my own head or is it an actual physical craft that I have seen? And, it, you know, I, I have to wonder about that kind of thing. Again, it comes down to when people are absolutely adamant that they know the facts about something, you have to question that a little bit. But if if we do want to understand any of this stuff, we need data, like you know, I, I go on about it all the time. I probably sound like a stuck record, but data is key. Like, not to defend certain scientists that are talking about this, like Neil deGrasse Tyson and so on, you know, 
who's very sceptical about all this. But at the end of the day, look, scientists need data. That's what scientists do. They they live on a diet of data, you know. What can a scientist do without data? I mean, obviously, I know scientists speculate, you know. The, the way science works is you speculate, theorise about something, and then you set out to prove that that's true through data, you know, which is why it baffles me a bit with people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, why they're not willing to speculate on this issue. It does make you wonder you know, the motivations behind that way of thinking. But anyway, not to go down that path. But if you have data to give to these people, all of a sudden it's not an opinion anymore, is it? So that's why we need the government, you know. We need the government to produce this data with the equipment that they've got to give that data to scientists so that scientists can get to the bottom of what's actually going on. I mean, it's the job of you know the government intelligence services to find data that's why they've got all this money allocated to them by us as the public you know so their job's to get data and then scientists job is to do stuff with that data you know i'm not being funny no offense to anybody that i've seen on twitter posting those types of comments about oh we don't need the government and so on but if it's just down to like some random guy on twitter who's decided that this is the thing or somebody who claims to have had incredible experiences and so on, if it's down to, like, which one of those guys am I going to believe, you know, compared to a scientist, somebody who's dedicated their entire life and is extremely intelligent and has got a track record of, you know, legit studies into topics and actually getting to the bottom of things and proving things right or wrong or whatever... I'm going to believe the scientist answer. Like we're talking about the the best and the brightest people within our society, the the people who cure diseases, the people who, you know, have figured out like things about black holes and things about the nature of the universe and so on. Those people we should be listening to, but they can't come up with the goods if they don't have the data. You know? So obviously, there's a bit of frustration in my voice with this because it's something I've been really thinking about this last couple of weeks, but the government needs to understand that the people want this. You know, how how dare they hold back information if they've got more information, which they almost certainly have. However little or large that information is, you know, the amount that they've got, it could explain our place in the universe, you know. It, that, that's not a small deal that's absolutely massive you know so yeah i think i think we need the government we need science to work for the people you know not the other way around and um hopefully we, we're getting a bit closer to that now perhaps we'll have to see but the fact is data properly confirmed and source checked backed up by multiple witnesses radar video footage FLIR footage that's what we need to properly investigate the phenomenon until then all we're left with is speculation now i do like a bit of speculation i'm kind of like two opposites within one body <laughs> bit of a bit of a jackal and hide I've, I've always loved sci-fi you know um and uh funnily enough i actually did a i actually did a a little poll on the on on Twitter about uh, my favourite sci fi's and and what what other people prefer and stuff like that, um, and uh, Star Wars was the clear winner, okay. And now 
I'm not a big fan of Star Wars, I have to say. It just never caught my attention. And I'm so sorry if you're a big die a big diehard, you know, Star Wars fan. But look, it just never caught my attention, man. I, I don't know what to say to you. Um for me, Star Trek, Stargate, I absolutely loved. Um those were my two I'd struggle to put them one above the other really. Um you know, the um the the Picard era of Stargate. I think it was Stargate the Next Generation, wasn't it? I, I just watched pretty much every episode, absolutely loved it. There were certain other ones like Voyager I was never a fan of and stuff. And but Stargate the movie and Stargate the series I really enjoyed. Um I just loved the the concept of the the actual kind of like the technology side of it where, you know, they find like a, a uh, um, uh, like a portal device underneath you know like an archaeological find and then are able to use that to travel to other you know other civilizations and and things yeah i, I found that really really uh really fascinating concept but star wars just never did it for me but um i've always loved sci-fi all kinds of other sci-fi films and you know things like that and uh yeah so the speculation side of things is is something that's definitely quite you know, close to my heart, but I've always been amazed, like I've touched on this earlier, how sci-fi of today can be the reality of, of tomorrow, you know, and having seen how technology has come on, it seems inevitable that soon technology will be even more advanced than it is now, and life will change all over again, like with the iPhone and, and the internet and, you know, I I grew up in an era where I didn't have a mobile phone. If I wanted to go and play out in the evening, I would go out and my mum would just tell me to be back at this time. I'd have a watch and I would literally go back at the time that my mum had said or whatever and there was no phone if I didn't, you know, um, get back in time. My mum would be worried, you know, whereas these days it's completely different. Life Life has changed for these for people you know now it, it, it's a totally different way of living a, a totally different way of life to what it was when i was a kid and the internet you know i remember having it's something that really uh, fascinates me i remember having conversations with people uh, years ago about this and that whatever it might be i've always kind of been into weird topics so um i remember having discussions with people even when i was like 10 or 11 about aliens and stuff and um you know, uh, having like a point of contention within a conversation and having no way to prove myself as being right. And I, like you do, occasionally go back in my mind to conversations that I had years and years ago and think, wow, if that was now, I'd just be able to type it into Google and straight away my point would be proven. You know, there's other times when I was wrong and I was convinced I was right and I could have easily found out that actually I'm wrong here by Googling it. But that wasn't even a thing when I was a kid. You know, it's a weird thought. Life has changed so much now. Like the very nature of a debate is totally different to what it was 10 years ago. If you're sat in the pub having a conversation with someone, maybe not 10 years ago, but like say 20 years ago, and you have an argument about like, you know, whether or not like a sports team won in 1973 or whatever, you'd never be able to prove that without, I mean, how would you even prove that 20 years ago? You'd have to like go back to some encyclopedia and like find a certain page. Now you can ask Siri, you know, and you'll know the answer within 10 seconds. And it's, you know, as a, as a logical progression of that, 
as a human race becomes more free due to technologies, they can turn their attention to more deeper aspects of life. And in a way, I see that as happening now, really. I mean, if you think about like what it was like two, three hundred years ago, you know, people had to focus on survival a lot more. You know, you couldn't really have conversations with people about like the the universe and and the first of all, the knowledge wasn't there. You know that that there are planets on on in other solar systems and there could potentially be habitable planets and how many possible planets there are. Nobody had a clue two hundred years ago, or you know, maybe some people some people did, but public knowledge definitely wasn't there on those kind of topics. But even if it was you're so preoccupied with day-to-day survival and whether or not you're going to be able to feed your family and disease was so horrendous back then that speculation was not really something that was at the forefront of people's thinking. You know, now we've freed up a lot of headspace to be able to actually delve into topics that we probably would have never even really had the privilege to be able to delve into and again the further you go back into history well again that's relative but like you know in the dark ages and things like that again people were even more preoccupied with just day-to-day survival and and in those types of situations you're not really going to be start thinking about you know thinking outside the box and stuff is a luxury that you just wouldn't have and it got me thinking of maybe this has happened before already. You know, if you... And obviously this now is into the speculation side of um, side of things. You know, but if you, if you listen to people like Graham Hancock, Randall Carlson, for example, um, they put forward a very compelling vision of a possibility of what could have happened in the past on this very planet so anyone who's just for anyone who's not familiar uh with with the work of graham hancock and randall carlson um the idea is that basically there was a catastrophic um impact event on the on the planet earth round about um, eleven and a half thousand years ago. Now you'd have to. My brain, as I mentioned before, is not the best for facts and figures. So just you know, don't take my word for any of this. Go and Google it. But it's basically the idea is that round about eleven and a half to twelve thousand years ago, there was a real um, dramatic, um, you know impact on this planet an asteroid you know of, of some type has actually hit the planet and um, actually um fra- i think i think the the way that he describes it is fragments of some kind of huge object has impacted the planet and thrown up so much dust and so much um instant change to the um to the planet that it plunged the the planet into an ice age which went on for about a thousand years now the ice age is absolutely scientific fact and is accepted but what has not been accepted but is starting to become more accepted very recently is the reason for the ice age what triggered it what caused it 
and everybody knows that the ice age was a thing um it was the the huge glaciers uh, in in the ice age which actually scraped through the landscape and formed glacial valleys and things that we have now like if you look at the lake district and so on um those were formed by huge glaciers which were, were formed over the land and as the glaciers scraped through the landscape they literally sculpted out these huge uh, valleys and so everybody knows that there's been an ice age but uh, graham hancock and randall carlson um, have looked into this for for decades now and they theorized that that was caused by some kind of huge cataclysmic event and then um, after that there was only a uh, a small amount of, of people who survived from what had happened previous to, to these things happening and Graham Hancock in particular um, theorizes that there may have been some kind of advanced civilization which actually lived on this planet for who knows how long and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently the consciousness side of things and the way it relates to the phenomenon perhaps those people had some kind of access to the phenomenon some kind of mental way of communicating with the others whether those others are from this planet or whether they're from a different dimension or whether they are from elsewhere in the universe but the distance involved in us and them you know is somehow irrelevant when you when you contact them from a consciousness point of view could it possibly be that the way that it's just so like humans humans found gas and everything was gas powered and then all of a sudden we discovered electricity and we were like oh we don't need gas anymore this is way better what happened if we just didn't actually find gas and we just went straight to electricity it could have happened couldn't it and we would have never really used gas power what if there's some other kind of technology which a previous civilization they didn't really need gas or they didn't really need electricity as we know them because they had just somehow stumbled across some kind of consciousness related you know energy source or something along the lines of that which allowed them to be able to 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 bypass any need for physical technologies and material technologies as we now know them and, and Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson basically theorised that there could have been some kind of extremely advanced civilization living on this planet, which was essentially like an Atlantis kind of civilization, which were extremely advanced mentally, perhaps, you know, lived a lot longer than us. And again, if there's somebody listening to this who is, is going, no, 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 what are you talking about? You know, that that there's no way that could be a thing because of this. Tell me, man, get in touch with me. UFO Thinker on Twitter. Give me a shout because I want to know. I want to know the actual truth. But it seems very compelling to me that, you know, the, the evidence put forward by Graham Hancock is that the, 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 the Greek philosophers in particular Plato, talked about Atlantis as being a real place that existed with incredible technologies, amazing amounts of mental and physical prowess amongst the people who inhabited this place. And they could do things that were likened to, you know, what, what gods can do. 
and that it existed not 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 that it was like a metaphorical thing or whatever it really existed according to to plato and that it was actually referenced as existing exactly at the time that this initial meteor strike struck causing the 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 huge rise in sea levels and the glaciers and the, the you know the the complete change in what we have on this planet and the Oh, and and also the uh, the 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 Sphinx and certain certain structures within ancient Egypt, which are completely completely baffling as to how they were actually put together, how they were actually built, and the water erosion, for example, on the Sphinx. There's there's a massive amount of water erosion on the Sphinx, which suggests that there was a vast amount of water cascading over it at some time. So that could possibly mean that the Sphinx and some of the pyramids and some of the uh, monuments within ancient Egypt actually existed before this cataclysmic event. And when you look at the the structures and the the progress of the ancient Egyptian people, the progress seems to be it, it gradually declines. And it and it does it does make sense to me that you could have had some kind of technology on this planet, which is maybe a consciousness based technology, maybe some kind of these things that we're experiencing now with the or we're learning about now with the phenomenon. Maybe there's elements of that which are we've maybe there's elements of that we've not even considered as being a possibility yet that somehow people, you know tens of thousands of years ago had already experienced and stumbled across which led them to basically bypass all the things that we have in the physical world today and they were tapping into some other kind of technology or other kind of energy source and again you talk about the the the, the nephilim in the bible people who were supposedly had the, the powers of you know powers of gods as, as such and lived for hundreds and hundreds of years and were much taller than humans and and those people eventually the, the bloodlines of those people kind of died out and could it again we're talking about pure speculation here i've not got any data density but we're talking about things that happened 10 11 12 thousand years ago how can you have data density you know but it's it does seem quite quite possible to me that we could have had a civilization that that existed on this planet maybe many civilizations that existed on this planet who had some kind of understanding of, of elements of reality that we're only now starting to delve back into. Um, what if, you know, summoning or, you know, C5 or, you know, um, cognitive human interface, things that people are now just starting to delve back into, you know, using meditation to put your consciousness into a certain state to be able to communicate with other intelligences maybe this is just the beginning of us understanding a sense that humans have that we've had all along but just didn't know how to access you know just like a voice that we didn't know we had and now utterances spring forth and then words and sentences if you never knew that you could speak you'd never open your mouth to speak you know are we discovering a technology that was in hiding hiding in plain sight all this time 
greater than anything that we have today. It would eliminate the need for materials, allow us to manipulate natural materials in 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 the world with our with our minds potentially. You know, maybe some kind of collaboration with the the others which are in another dimension or. Um, maybe exist within the world but we can't sense that they're there because we don't have the the the, the sense the capabilities to sense these beings and, and maybe this civilization lived on earth and and this civilization that did live on earth was able to use these these abilities and contact the others and and maybe they were wiped out by a cataclysm and the few remaining survivors scattered across the world were treated as gods in the new world the new world after the cataclysm after the the um the glaciers retreated and melted and again there's a lot of evidence put forward by hancock and carlson to say that the there was actually then a follow-up strike around about a thousand years later which was more fragments of the meteor which then actually reversed the ice age and and brought everything into the the new world as, as we live in it now and if there was any remnants of people from the the old world before the cataclysm then those people would be the the keepers of the knowledge you know those people would be potentially could be the nephilim that were referred to in the bible you know these people could be the 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 gods of of ancient egypt you know the people who who were seen as gods because they had you know they had abilities that the ordinary humans just couldn't comprehend and couldn't wrap their heads around. And these, if, if that happened now, imagine if there was a cataclysmic event right now. I mean, obviously, touch wood, let's hope that that never happens. But if there was a comet that struck right now and there were floods, you know, 10-mile-high floods, everything would just be wiped out on the face of the Earth and nothing would remain other than just maybe a few survivors. You know, imagine you're a survivor after a cataclysm like that. You you would have all these incredible stories about what went before. You would say that people used to be able to get into a little metal pod and fly along at 100 miles an hour and go to visit somewhere, you know, miles and miles away within 20 minutes. You, you could explain to people that people would fly through the air in amazing vehicles. You know, you would explain to people that you had the internet and mobile phone devices and, and things like that. But you would have no way to recreate those things. Like I would have no idea how to make a car from scratch. I mean, I drive a car now, but if the, the, the entire world that we live in was wiped out and there was only like, say, um, I don't know, like tens of thousands of people left on the entire planet, we wouldn't really know unless you got really lucky and you ended up with like the exact people with the right relevant expertise to build back exactly as it is now. And even if that was the case, it would take, you know, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years to, to finally build back to a certain point. And we have to think if like that actually happened, the initial period of time would be just frantic, you know, survival. All you would be doing would was trying to survive. You wouldn't have the option in the hundreds of years following from a cataclysmic event, you wouldn't really have the option to think about, you know, consciousness and, and the universe. You'd just be thinking about trying to survive, you know? Everything that you knew would have been, you know, everything that civilization knew before the cataclysm would have been just wiped out and gone. And 
over we're talking about an ice age which was triggered by a, a meteor a asteroid whatever strike and then the ice age goes on for a thousand years how many generations of people is that i mean we're talking about you know multiple multiple generations and by the time the ice age finally ends from another cataclysm taking place which could be very devastating as well to anybody who even has survived there'd be so little left of what went before that you'd literally have just myths and legends about these incredible things that once happened and slowly but surely humanity builds itself back to a point where because of the advancements of technology and because the general kind of um, advancements of, of like life for people has allowed people to start delving back into thinking about things other than just basic necessities of surviving, then you would finally return to a point of being able to explore these elements of consciousness and these possible, you know, communications with others that maybe were commonplace before the initial cataclysm actually took place it's it's all it's all very very interesting but again there's definitely i was talking earlier on that there's no data density on cases that happened in the 1950s there definitely isn't any data density on cases that happened you know 11 12,000 years ago but that really fascinates me, it really does. And for all we know, there could have been intelligences on this planet, you know, human beings, you know, that civilization that, that was there could have been there for... They could have arrived at the point of... They, they could have arrived at the point of being able to expand their consciousnesses and elevate the human mind you know, we're at that kind of point where we're just turning the corner on that now. Possibly they could have they've arrived at that, you know, 50,000 years ago. And then for 10, 20, 30,000 years, they lived in this kind of, this this new age of understanding of, of their surroundings and their consciousness was, was, you know, way more advanced and developed than ours is now. But then they were all wiped out and then slowly built back from scratch again. And it would certainly explain a lot of these monuments that are, at the moment, anomalous. You know, like all of the various different enormous stone uh, objects which appear to have been, you know, put into place. For example, in ancient Egypt and, you know, other megaliths all around the world. Which a lot more are now actually, um, you know being revealed because of the better technologies that we have etc you know perhaps perhaps a lot of that was again with the the, the various technologies the con perhaps consciousness based technologies that they had maybe that's how they were able to make those things and it would explain the the, the declining technologies the declining capabilities of the ancient egyptian monuments for example why is it that the most impressive most amazing monuments are the oldest ones that doesn't make as much sense most civilizations you know increase in capabilities don't they rather than decreasing and um again you know 
I'm I'm not I'm not really an absolute expert on this by any stretch of the imagination. I just find it fascinating. It purely in the the speculative, um, you know, side of things. But if there's anybody out there that's got more information on that, you know, or maybe there's some things in there that I'm totally wrong about, I, I want to know the truth, you know, like I've said. So do feel free to get in touch with me and let me know. But um, I think I've rambled on enough now. This is going to be one of the longer podcasts that I've done so far. I did say on Twitter the other day that I was going to be ranting a lot and this was going to be a bit of a longer one uh, this week. So, um, yeah, there it is. I think we've done enough. <laughs> enough rambling but anybody who's interested in that kind of thing that i've been talking about there definitely check out some of um graham hancock and randall carlson and um, they've been on the joe rogan podcast quite a few times now over the years and i always um you know i always love to see those guys on joe rogan they've been on a, a number of times randall carlson's been on on his own and graham hancock and randall carlson have been on together and randall carlson in particular is actually a geologist um a very credible geologist as well we're not talking about guys here that are you know fringe conspiracy nuts or anything like that a lot of people claim that graham hancock is um a pseudoscientist or whatever but um everything that i've seen they they're extremely um, you know, they seem like extremely intelligent people who really looked into a lot of it, and especially Randall Carlson being a geologist, has presented actual um, facts and figures on on the actual geological makeup of rocks and things, and uh, to do with some of these ancient megaliths and the dating, carbon dating, and things on a lot of the uh, on a lot of the things that he talks about. So, if you want to have a bit more of a deep dive into what I've been talking about there definitely worth checking out um you know probably a good place to start would be the joe rogan podcasts uh, with graham hancock and randall carlson really fascinating but the way that 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 re relates to the um uh, the ufo you know the phenomenon something i've touched on a little bit in the podcast as well is it possible that this civilization that that could have existed before the cataclysms is it possible that they're actually trying to they knew that there was a cataclysm coming and they have left certain things on this planet to guide us back to the level of advancement that they had could it be that that's why certain megaliths and things exist because they know that this planet occasionally is hit by a cataclysm and in order to preserve the the things that they'd been able to understand they've left certain clues it's possible i suppose it's possible you know could it could it be that actually and this is something that i, I I've, I've never really heard anybody talking about but could it be that ufos as we see them are actually time travelers from the past we hear a lot about the possibility that ufos could possibly be time travelers from the future but what if what if they're from the past? What if they're actually from this planet fifty thousand years ago, and these are not nuts and bolts crafts at all, but they're they're literally some kind of a clue sent from the past. The past knowing that they were going to be wiped out, and they wanted to try and give little hints as to what is possible with our consciousness and our existence. And the way that they did that was to project their own consciousness forward in time to a point after the cataclysm 
when humans are just starting to awaken to a new era of reality of what we're actually capable of maybe that when we're seeing a tic tac maybe that's what it is maybe it's a manifestation of the consciousness of people who lived on this earth 50,000 years ago I mean that is some proper out there speculation but that's what I'm here to do in this element of the show so there you go guys and I think that's probably a good little point to end on so if you've listened all the way through to this bit of the podcast thank you because that means you've really enjoyed it or you've just left it on in the background (laughs) but um either way yeah um this has been a long one so if if you've stuck through it to the end then uh you know congratulations to you and um that's all we've got time for for now so till next time take it easy and i'll catch you in the next podcast UFO Thinker Podcast.